1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. I'm producer Cameron Costa, and here's what we're talking about today. Edging closer to the 2024 election and staying laser-focused on interference from around the world, cybersecurity expert Chris Krebs on threats, social media, and geopolitics.
1: Where Russia has been very dominant in pushing... Uh, propaganda, fake news, disinfo for years and years. Now China's getting into the game, kind of copying the the Russian playbook.
0: And a public health check-in. Respiratory illness is surging. Pneumonia in Ohio, RSV in China. We're gauging the risks with Dr. Kavita Patel, Stanford professor of medicine.
2: Here, what we're seeing in Ohio, I'm sure we'll see in other states, but not at that kind of simultaneous emergency crisis we saw a year ago.
0: Those conversations plus today's headlines. The Israel Hamas war resumes. Disney is gearing up for a proxy fight on its board, and Cybertrucks delivered. Elon Musk's EV pickup is finally heading to the streets for its first few customers.
3: This reminds me more of like a hummer, somebody who wants to make a statement right. when they're got to make a street.
4: statement. <laughs> statement. Right. Look at me. Statement car.
0: It's Friday, December first, twenty twenty three, and SquawkPod begins right now.
4: Stand back, you by in three, two, one, cue it please
3: good morning everybody welcome to squawk box right here on cnbc we are live from the nasdaq market site in times square i'm becky quick along with joe kernan and andrew ross sorkin and we made it it's friday this is the first day of december but boy what a month november was the dow actually staged a late day rebound yesterday closing out one of the biggest november rallies on record the dow was up by 520 points just yesterday to bring its november gains to 8.7 percent S&P was also up, but not by nearly as much. It got most of its gains earlier in the month. For the month, it was up by 8.9%, and then the Nasdaq fell slightly yesterday. It was dragged down by NVIDIA, but for the month of November, still saw gains of 10.7%. For the year, the Dow hitting a 52-week high yesterday. It's now less than 3% away from its all-time high. The S&P is just over 5% from its record high, and the Nasdaq is up by 12% from its record high. You also saw the transports up pretty significantly for the month, better than 8%. And again, this is breaking a three-month losing streak that all the major averages had seen heading into November. If you Check out Treasury yields. Again, this is the big reason for all of those moves. Treasury yields have come down significantly over the last month. right now yielding just above 4.3 percent, the two-year below 4.7 percent at 4.67. And the dollar index had its worst month since November of last year. It was down about 3 percent for the month, but wow, what what a ride it has been over the last year for the dollar, too.
5: Israel said its military has resumed combat in Gaza after the end of its uh, truce with Hamas. It accused the terrorist group of violating uh, the ceasefire, although Qatar said uh, talks were ongoing. Uh, to renew that pause in fighting uh, in the last hour NB seen news's crew on the border of northern gaza reported seeing smoke and hearing loud rocket strikes uh, the crew could also uh, see rockets coming from gaza uh, being intercepted by israel's uh, iron dome air defense system and um kind of an interesting piece in the in the journal i guess the journal just recounting what 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 we know and that is it's going to be years it's going to be I mean, could be five years of hunting down uh, Hamas militants long after maybe the, uh, you know, the, the very obvious fighting ends. Uh, they're going to be hunting down the, the leaders of Hamas that planned that attack, and it could be uh, for years, and they'll go wherever in the world they need to go.
3: Which makes you hearken back to... Maybe the That's 70s. All a bit long, well, in the 70s too, with what what they did, Golda Meir sent after that special team after the terrorists who had right. gone after the, the cruise ship and things right. too. Um, there was also a story in the New York Times that the Israelis saw this attack for a yep. year in Talk advance. for a year coming um, apparently. The IDF is saying they're not going to respond to that right now. Their main interest is just dealing with the war.
5: Some attack,
4: but yeah. not
5: this not no, specific.
3: Well, Some of the apparently, specific.
4: Very, very specifically, Some of the specific. this was what the attack was supposed to look like, and they didn't believe that Hamas was capable of actually pulling it off. And so they uh, they, they just under appreciated what was happening. But that, in fact, the gates that they were going after, how they were going to do it in the various places where the drones were going to be, everything, that there was actually a, a document that, that, that documented exactly what right they were doing. Right down to do. the flying right, parachutes? Right down to how, how it was all that supposed motorized to go. Flying, and, just... and they just thought that they were incapable and they didn't have the resources, the, know-how, the, the, training, the know how, the coordination, and the training to pull it off. And so they thought it was some kind of you know, dream or, of Hamas's, but not necessarily something that was going to happen. And then more recently, there was actually a moment, and there's some correspondence apparently uh, over some kind of encrypted email where they actually saw them. Uh, one day doing a training that looked very much like what this plan actually spelled out. On Uh,
3: buildings, as if...
4: Right, as if they were doing it, but then they still were discounting it because they thought they can never really actually do this. Let's talk about uh, something in business uh, that Uh, was scary for some, not scary for others. Uh, Lydia Yaccarino, CEO of X, sending a memo to employees yesterday, this after Elon Musk's interview at the Dealbook Summit. She characterized her boss's performance as candid and profound and urged staffers to take the time to absorb the magnitude and importance of what they're all part of. And she addressed Musk's harsh message to advertisers uh, that uh, he accused of trying uh, to blackmail him. Don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go yourself. But go yourself. Is that clear?
3: I hope it is. Hey, Bob,
4: if you're in the audience. She said, our principles do not have a price tag, nor will they be compromised. I will say, I also saw a number of people online, and I don't know how big it was, but, so, uh, you know, I think, fans of Elon Musk who were saying, you know, putting together lists of companies that they were saying are boycotting or have taken advertising off of Twitter to then sort of say, well, should should we go boycott
3: Well, I I saw some people taking pictures saying that they had... Ended their Disney Plus subscription. Right, they were, we're ending, taking pictures yeah, of the cancellation
4: yeah. pages and
3: putting them online too on Twitter.
4: I thought it was it's it, it, the, the boycott, the in reverse boycotts yeah. is a very interesting
5: phenomenon. Well, that is the that is the mo of Media Matters. I mean, we know that that's what they do. They they watch and then they suggest boycotts. <laughs> and I'm laughing because they wanted they were mad at me. And it was like so long ago. It was like ten years ago i told you that and they, yep. they delivered like i don't know fifty thousand signed things you know about about i'm still i still have a, like a page on media Matter, so i'm proud that uh, i don't
4: know um let's also tell you the other thing that K-T-R-N-E-N. happened yesterday k-e-r-n-e-n that's all it's, it's <laughs> a lot You're of right. people spell, it, spell right. it wrong yeah so it's k-e-r-n-e-n in in other elon musk news uh, tesla delivering the first cyber truck models joe was talking about this at the top of the program to customers at an event in Texas yesterday, the company revealed updated prices for the truck with the entry level model starting at about $61,000. The most expensive model, dubbed the Cyber Beast, is nearly $100,000. So the Beast is faster? The Beast is faster and more, f- more powerful. More powerful to pull things. And then there's the second question you said. Don't beat it. What I don't know is the option? The, the $60,000 base yeah. model. With most Teslas, it's very hard. Most people are not getting the base model, and it, and you end up with ha- having to do more. That's probably so. the
3: case with most cars, though. Yeah. You, know, you could probably say that about cars in general. Few people get the base you know, level. Generally,
4: but I think it, in this case, the, one of the things that we've seen with Tesla vehicles is. Big tier. There's a, a big tier. Yeah.
3: Big
5: I, th- tier, I think like yeah. a full on escalator, navigator, you're getting close.
3: Yeah, I think so too.
5: And even the one that I just wish you'd. You know, do it. Pull the trigger. The telluride—that's uh, not. It's a Kia, I think. And this—I and think that's like sixty-five grand. Yeah. So it's not nothing. They're, they're not. They're not nothing. I don't know whether the normal guy out in Wyoming is—is is gonna trade in his whatever he has. What, what's he got? An F one fifty. F one fifty, probably. Yeah. Uh, Would they trade it in for for an electric Tesla? To, to, I don't
3: know. This seems a like big, a...
5: They're pretty big bi- distances. This though.
3: reminds me more of like a Hummer, somebody who wants to make a statement right. when they're yeah, driving you make the a the street. Statement. <laughs> statement. Right,
4: look at me. Statement car. Yeah. It's not it's a not cool look at okay. me. How about that?
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. It's not an incognito car.
4: Only one color because of, of what it's made of, I guess. You know, if you need, right? if, if you need good security, it seems but like a kind that. I think a, if you, you try to get
3: one now, it's like a couple years wait, right. even if you put a deposit down today. So there's, they, you know, there's plenty of demand for as much as they're making at the moment.
5: I think it's it's going to make a splash for Tesla, obviously.
3: Disney restoring its dividend, announcing a 30-cent payout for the second half of its fiscal year. That payout will be made on January 10th to shareholders of record as of December 11th. Disney has been under pressure to improve its performance and restore its dividend by activist investor Nelson Peltz, who is also seeking board seats at the company, uh, probably would have been under pressure to do that anyway. The stock right now up by about half a percentage point.
5: If they keep it. 15 30. cents a quarter on a $92 stock? I don't know.
3: Better than nothing. Better than a poke in the eye, I suppose.
5: Better than a sharp stick in the eye. <laughs> yeah. like Maybe I, they should spend it on, so they don't have to just do like sequels of superheroes. New content? What does the story, how do you do a two hour, two and a half hour, what's the plot of a two and a half hour like Marvel?
3: Oh, they're, they're great. You, you the haven't watched them. Are, I've watched them because I have a young boy. It's all
5: CGI, though, right?
3: It, it, you know what? They, they turned a corner at one point with Thor Ragnarok, and they started making fun of themselves. Same thing with Gardens of the Galaxy. It's funny, cont- funny storylines. I'm not going to trash the Marvel stuff because it, it's been content I have enjoyed. And when you had young kids, you were looking for new content all the time. You would have been into it if I Scott want you guys younger. to
5: see it's out now. What's that? Saltburn. Salt burn because I can't, I can't unsee it. What's it about? I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. I just, you need to see it. No, it's just the director had in five different places. She decided, I saw it. I of tell you, right? But she decided that I'm going to shock people with something that they couldn't even, couldn't even come up with. What
4: happens?
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Don't bring your kids.
3: Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs>
4: I want to show you something from the DealBook conference Wednesday because I spoke with PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan and asked him about the state of the league's deal with Liv. It was very clear that the PGA Tour was facing an existential
6: threat from a $700 billion sovereign wealth fund. And that sovereign wealth fund was determined to control the future of our sport. And so for us, we decided to address that by striking a deal that allowed the PGA Tour to remain and retain control with firm safeguards, uh, to put an end to and win expensive and divisive litigation. The deadline for our conversations with PIF is, you know, is a you know is a firm target. I'll be with Yasser uh, next week, and you know we continue to advance right. our conversations. And I think it's pretty well known that there's a large number of other interested parties.
4: It was one of the first times he really spoke about how that deal came together uh, and the pressures that were uh, on uh, the PGA. But he also spoke about something that he's never really spoken out publicly about uh, throughout all of this, which is, if you remember, a few days after the deal was announced, he took a month's long leave of absence. And he opened up about that challenging period for him yesterday for the first time. Take a look. I went for a long walk. I prayed. I came home, and to my wife's
6: surprise, I said, honey, I need help. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I need help. I'm, I'm in a bad, bad, bad place. And um, at that point in time, Andrew, I knew I'm the first person to run into a fight. Anybody that knows me will, will tell you that. And I knew the perception was that I would run away from a fight, and that was excruciating. That hurt me to my core. But I'm also a human being. I'm a father.
4: I'm a husband, I'm a family member, and I realized that I had to get myself right. There's a lot more of that and it goes into great detail about checking himself into a facility, uh, spending time several weeks there, wow. um, what it really means to have mental health issues, uh, depression, anxiety, um, Was that- and, and, and how that manifests in somebody. And, all- and the courage it takes to to have to call, in this case, the lead board member in the midst of something yeah. like this and say I have, I have a problem and I'm gonna, I, not walk away, but I have the courage to say I need your help and, you know, and, and not to worry that there's gonna be a coup while you're gone and people say you're weak. I mean, this is a big issue, I think, for a lot of people about sort of, if you actually do have an issue, can you raise your hand and say, and say and, and I have. And haven't. follow his, the, his travails that closely,
5: but prior to any of this happening, had he had any bouts with it's, something similar, or was it all the pressure?
4: I think it was of, the pressure of this. I don't, I don't want to speak for him, but it sounded like uh, this was not something that just came on in that week. It sounded like it had been building over, over several months, maybe related of uh, to, to all of this. I had to, it was, uh, but, that was a you know, very
5: difficult time. When, you, when, yeah. you're, not, when you're not
4: sleeping, yep. when you're not eating, right. when you're not uh, able to process... Or think a lot about of criticism about from 9 11 family. I mean, it was the yep. weight of the
5: world he on their shoulder. And Nicholson versus Tiger, and, it just, you know, and it's still going right. on. What I will give on. him
3: credit for, though, is not only seeking help, but then speaking about it. Speaking about, about because it. it. Because it's, the courage
4: to speak about it, it, and I give him an enormous it, amount of credit. Because he you wanted need leaders. to talk about it, he wanted to go there. to
3: speak up and talk about these things so that other people right. um, feel like they can come forward and and talk about and, you know i think a lot of because people, this look, is a very lonely yeah, road that people feel
4: it's like a very lonely on. road and i think there's a lot of people who have these moments uh of acute depression and acute anxiety and we, we were even trying to understand and talk about sort of how you know when you know um what to do but um, and, and jay you, you should take a look is, at the whole is, thing because you can you can really see show, that conversation that's not something that he's spoken about, about before uh, anywhere yeah no and a lot of so. people have been asking what happened during that period and um Enormous pressure, though. I, that that's why I was wondering if, if it really was
5: a, a from that almost a right. uh, almost not PTSD, but almost that instance which which actually caused it. I think probably. I mean, well, just from
3: what he said about saying people right. know me as somebody who runs into. That's right.
5: what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I've played. I've played with golf, yep. and he's uh, he's what a great guy. He loves his father, and um, I don't know. That's what that's what I wonder because. That was, it's still, it's still unclear what the PGA Tour really is going to look like and what it should do and, you know, should it be, what do they call it when the Saudis buy sports to? That's
3: why it's all the more impressive that he said this now. It's not like things are resolved at this point, but he's Uh, still willing to talk about it. Um, Anyway, we wish him well. Cheese will be next.
0: Andrew Ross Sorkin's Candid interviews with Jay Monahan and Elon Musk, both touching on power's strain on mental health, can be found on the New York Times website in the Dealbook section. Next on SquawkPod, we're talking about physical health with Dr. Kavita Patel, a professor of medicine at Stanford and formerly an official in the Obama administration.
2: We've come a long way with COVID and wastewater surveillance. We now have kind of a global level of monitoring that didn't even exist even two years ago.
1: our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager.
0: This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Rossorkin. Here's Joe.
5: Respiratory uh, illnesses surging across the U.S., Ohio becoming the first state in the U.S. to report uh, an uptick in pediatric pneumonia. For more on this and the respiratory surge in China, let's bring in Dr. Kavita Patel, a professor of medicine at Stanford University and a contributor uh, with NBC News and MSNBC. Uh, thanks for joining us. In, I'm just trying to figure out, doctor, whether this is uh, truly different or whether we're all just much more in tune with, with these type of things following the pandemic because there's an RSV season every year, I think. And there's uh, companies that have been working on RSV vaccines from long before COVID and the pandemic. So we've seen this before. Is this different? Is this worse?
2: Yeah, Joe, so what's unfolding in the United States, I I don't think is much worse. We, of course, have to monitor it. I'm sure we're going to hear about cases of kind of overcrowded pediatric emergency rooms around the country. And we know that it's not from a novel virus or some version of COVID that should scare the world. It's really from kind of the mix of respiratory viruses, things we're getting used to. And you're, you're right, Joe, this is kind of a calibration of what had come out of the pandemic. Remember a year ago, we had the triple-demic with all of these viruses kind of sinking At the same time, because of the way the viruses just unfolded across the country. And we're seeing a little bit of that now. It's just a little bit less than we had a year ago. Remember, about a year ago, we had the American Academy of Pediatrics send a letter urging for the country to do something because the entire country was overwhelmed. Here, what we're seeing in Ohio, I'm sure we'll see in other states, but not at that kind of simultaneous emergency crisis we saw a year ago.
5: I have mixed feelings about, you know, following the pandemic, how we view these things, doctor. When I heard yeah. about the H one N one, in the past, before the before COVID, we had seen, we had seen swine flu, we had seen bird flu, right. we had seen SARS, we had seen, and, and nothing ever turned into a pandemic. Now we know that it can happen. So now, when I see H one N one, it's like, oh my God, could <laughs> that be the next one? Are are we? Uh, overly paranoid about it happening again, or justly uh, worried about a, a repeat?
2: I, I mean, I'm coming from a public health kind of scientific perspective. I think we're just enough worried, and maybe we need to do a little bit more on surveillance. On the swine flu piece, especially in the U.K., that was the first time they'd seen kind of an unusual case of transmission, something where they couldn't, Joe, find the kind of precise kind of vector of that transmission. Normally it is from an animal to a human and that doesn't raise much suspicion. But in this case, there was really no known kind of reason for that case. And that triggers, I think, a lot of just worrying around public health surveillance. We just need to watch and see what else is happening. And we have those mechanisms in place. In the United States, we actually had a similar case earlier this year in August. So all the things that kind of heighten our awareness in the media, the public health community has been doing this for years. I think now we just need to be aware that this as you mentioned can lead to epidemics to even potentially pandemics but we've come a long way joe with covid and wastewater surveillance we now have kind of a global level of monitoring that didn't even exist even two years ago so it's just to worry about it but we should also be appropriately responsive which is what the uk which is what the world health organization are doing in china uk and in the united states
5: we, we, we're out of time, but I was going to ask you about China, whether it really is a sort of a immune uh, you know, d- a population d- that yeah that right. hasn't seen things right. in a while because it's been closed right. down and maybe that's what it is. And I was also going to ask you whether, is that lab still open? Are there labs around the world we need to worry about in terms of safety protocols? And I, I mean, not to say that we definitively know that that was responsible, but I would hope that, that people were in P4 type containment settings at this point on any of this stuff uh doctor maybe right
2: yeah that's what we we would we have we had have that uh, as our working assumption but as ronald yeah. Reagan said trust trust but verify joe trust but, but yes, verify. this is yeah hopefully hopefully all all seasonal normal viruses china's just seeing that kind of in that spade of okay. patterns that we all saw right.
5: previously all right. doctor thanks
0: Coming up on today's podcast, assessing the cyber risks in our American political system and on our social media, former director of the Government Agency on Cybersecurity and Infrastructure, Chris Krebs.
1: That's probably what the intelligence community is really looking deeply into right now in in, uh, advance of the 24 election. What are the motivations of President Xi, President Putin, and others, and how they would want an election to play out? And it's not just going to be who's president, but which way the Senate
0: goes. Squawk Pod will be right back. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This is
5: SquawkPod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box uh, here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ
4: market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick. And Andrew Ross Sorkin. Social media platforms are tracking foreign threats ahead of the U.S. presidential elections. In a new report, Meta now saying China has become one of the most aggressive actors attempting to sway U.S. public opinion through fake accounts, though it hasn't been very successful. Meta saying it recently took down two coordinated Chinese networks targeting foreign audiences, I should say. One included almost 5,000 fake accounts and primarily targeted Americans, often with posts about US politics or US China relations. Join us right now to talk about all of this, the threatened landscape and other recent hacking news. Uh, Chris Krebs, the former director of the government cybersecurity infrastructure security agency, is now the president of Pinnacle One. Good morning to you. Morning. How big a threat is it? Which of the platforms do you think are, are most exposed right now and, and what, what can be done about it, if anything?
1: Yeah, I, look, this has been going on with China driving information operations for a couple years ago uh, now so uh, it was about a year and a half ago a french intelligence think tank put out a report basically calling what china was doing the russification of chinese intelligence and information operations so where russia has been very dominant in pushing uh propaganda fake news disinfo for years and years now china's getting into the game kind of copying the, the russian playbook they're very active but to the point I think that, that Meta has made. They're not quite as successful, so they, they're not getting the traction they want. There's some, perhaps, some cultural differences that they're not put, picking up on, but they're getting better with each subsequent iteration. What I'm seeing here is that Meta, across their various platforms, they're committed to rooting this stuff out. They have dedicated right. teams. Now, you know, they, they've had a bit of a kind of a, a drawback in what their resources and headcount is. But they're still committed to it, and they're making these uh, their 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 findings right. publicly available through transparency reports. Okay. So then, the next piece is what about TikTok? Well, uh, TikTok has uh, similar resource investments. They have trust and safety teams. They are finding these, rep- uh, these sorts of campaigns. And they're, they're taking them down, they're exposing them. The recent EU Digital Services Act is requiring companies to report what resources they have. TikTok right. has resources, Facebook has right. resources. Others right. don't have as much. How do you think they're trying to manipulate, to the
4: extent they can, the, this political moment? I mean, what is the inf- misinformation that is being put out there? Which is the candidates that yeah. the Chinese are trying to stand up? Which are the candidates that they're trying to hit back at? What, what, do
1: you, what is the underlying theme? Well, I think it's consistent with just about everything we've seen in the last couple of years. There's always like a grain of truth. And so they're amplifying good stories about China and what they're doing globally, and what's happening in China. And they're amplifying similarly bad stories about the US. There was a, uh, a campaign that was exposed about a year ago about rare earth companies, US and Australian rare earth companies. And the, the gall of this story is that the Chinese were amplifying the environmental records of US and Australian companies, and yet not giving any sort okay, of but, help. But, but, on but their we're
4: own. not into a situation where, the, where somebody in China has decided, you know what, we want to stand up. President Biden over President over former President Trump, or we're trying to stand up uh, former President Trump over President Biden would, because we want to sow sow the seeds of of a more polarization, or because right. we believe that one candidate's going to
1: be better for us. Late, I mean, is that? I think it's too early to tell there, okay. and that's probably what the intelligence community is really looking deeply into right now, in, in uh, advance of the 24 election. What are the motivations of President Xi, President Putin, and others? and how they would want an election to play out. And it's not just going to be who's president, but right. which way the Senate goes. The House is a little bit harder for uh, some of these countries, I think, in their security yeah. services, because they're so diverse, yeah. and it really is There's based so on individual House races. It's, it's a lot tougher.
3: What you. You said that Meta has cut back on staffing for this. I mean, I knew that Meta had cut headcount. I was thinking more of it was for the Meta stuff, but they've actually cut their staff I, look, in they, terms they've of this They've cut too. staff
1: across the board. I think this is the uh, post-COVID contraction, when everyone kind of exploded their their ranks, and now they're getting a little bit more streamlined.
3: But it's it's actually been in the in the places where they're police. There has and been impact,
1: like but you know the folks that I know there uh, that have been there for years are still there and they're still committed and they're still executing. I think the big challenge right now, and, and something that was pulled out of that report, is the uh, the recent transparency report is the lack of sharing between government and the platforms right now, in part due to some of the court cases that are ongoing right now and that'll soon go in front of the the Supreme Court. So to a certain extent, Facebook and Meta, Facebook, uh, Instagram, they're on their own. They're on their own.
3: You didn't mention X in any of that. Is there
1: the... That's, yeah, I mean, that's... There's not a lot of transparency here. We, we don't really know what their, uh, their policies are or how they're enforcing them. And I think that's what folks are looking to the EU and the Digital Services uh, Act. Right. Uh, what are their commitments here? They have policies. We know they have policies. But how are they moderating? How are they enforcing right. against I'm those policies? I'm curious about this. <laughs> talking
4: about the, uh, you're, you're talking about the, what's happening in Europe. There's an argument being made that we, the United States and the FTC, are trying to help Europe. Do you know about this? I you know um, generally familiar um, that we're trying to help Europe and that we shouldn't be meaning meaning Ted Cruz and others have said that we're effectively hurting our own our, our own American companies because we're trying to help enforce or assist the Europeans in in, in 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 effectively
1: enforcing their laws. What do you make of that? It it's not just limited to social media platforms. I mean look, we don't have in the US a federal privacy law. And yet the Europeans have had GDPR Right. general uh, data protection regulation for years now and so companies, tech companies in particular, are baselining against European laws because they don't want to have to bifurcate right. a governance structure between the U.S. and the EU. So a lot of those uh, the implementations are rolling right. over here domestically. Chris, I want to thank you. Thanks so much. Fascinating. Yeah, it's I don't know how worried we
4: should be. How worried? Uh, in yeah, advance
1: we, of the twenty-four election. Yeah. Uh,
4: look, it's compared tw- to what we, what what people what we're talking about in twenty twenty to the, and twenty sixteen, the motivations of the actors. Across What's the worst
5: that's going to happen? It's going to be Trump or Biden. Yeah, you should worry. <laughs> what? <Well,
1: laughs> no Does comment. it matter who skews it one way or another? I, I think the motivations of. Our adversaries are completely different than they were in 2020. What
5: would our adversaries so, want? They take your pick. They're, they're both bad it,
1: for us. I think, I think Russia and China in 2020 generally right. hung back. They said, you guys Who do would this would they want now? in 2024? So, can I ask this one related question? Think, sure. Um, the, well, the one related question is, were? if we find
4: demonstrable evidence that China—it mean, was one thing to find Russia doing something or not doing something, but let us if China is doing something, does it change what we do it to retaliate? And do we?
1: So does it—okay. So you mentioned in the lead-up that we were going to talk about uh, right. the water system attack yep. in, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So CINNL uh, yep. Labs researchers have uh, tied this to Cyber Avengers. I mean, they came out and, and, and uh, claimed it. This is an Iranian Revolutionary Guard-linked group of hackers. So it may be that the Iranian government has done this. has done this to a water system in the United States, critical infrastructure, a beer, a brewery in Pennsylvania. I mean that's right. critical infrastructure. Is it Yingling? It uh, no, it's unfortunately it's not Yingling. Yeah. But look, I, that's like an attack England? right there. What do we do? <laughs> yeah, what do we do right. to right. Iran? What would we do if China hits us with, with an attack in advance of the 24 election? Right. There, right. these are the questions I think the White House is struggling with. That the right. administrations in the past, what did we do to Russia right. after the Not Pecha attack in 2017?
3: That's a lot scarier.
1: It's sanctions, right? right. Do we do we take do we take it up, take it up right. a notch? Thank you, sir. Thank you.
0: That's the podcast for today. Thank you for tuning in. Now is an excellent time to make sure you follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening, because you do not want to miss the next couple episodes we're pushing out. Over the weekend, we are bringing you a special extended version of Charlie Munger's last CNBC interview. Just two weeks before his passing, our own Becky Quick went to his house in LA, and she spoke with the ever-sharp 99-year-old Berkshire Hathaway vice chair and right-hand man to Warren Buffett. Hey,
3: Charlie, first of all, I just want to thank you for inviting us to your home today and for hosting us here. We appreciate it. It's
5: easier for me, not harder, easier.
0: If you follow Squawk Pod, you'll get notifications over the weekend when those episodes are available for listening. Please join us to remember the wit, wisdom, and legacy of Charlie Munger, investing icon. Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew ross Sorkin host our TV broadcast, Squawk Box, every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on CNBC. You can catch them live for three hours on TV or on the CNBC app. We'll catch you right back here this weekend for Charlie Munger coverage.
3: And we
5: are clear. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery.